This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? I'm uh, doing okay. How are you? I'm a walking corpse. Yes, you are. But I said it with a smile, so that counts, right? You, it does. It does indeed. It totally counts. Um, short version, stomach bug bad, Paul very tired. <laughs> short version, depression bad, Aaron also very tired. Oh. Okay, so to our loyal listeners, um, Aaron and I both need to be healthy. So can one of y'all take a turn on the depression? Mom says it's your turn. Yeah, it is your turn. Also, um, this is episode 40? Is it really? (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Can you even believe that? No, you've liked me for 40 weeks straight? (laughs) Longer than that. Wow. I mean. This might be my second longest relationship immediately following my marriage, so. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. You can keep Sarah. Good. Good. Because um, I hadn't planned on trading her in anytime soon. Actually, when we when we decide to, like, finally incorporate or whatever we do. Uh, I was looking gonna, at that I'm today, gonna, in fact. I was, I'm going to stipulate that you have to be married to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so on top of your whatever um, marriage you guys have, you'll have, like, a special marriage. The covenant right? marriage, yeah. Yes. So you also have to stay married because of me. <laughs> <laughs> The writer in Aaron's contract. Mm-hmm. 14 room temperature bottles of water and an internal marriage to Sarah. Yes. I can manage the Sarah thing. I'm not sure about the water. Who drinks room temperature water? All vocalists. <clears throat> no. Cold water clenches your vocal cords. All vocalists are wrong. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too tired to even argue with you or like be quippy. It's all good. So we got retweeted by Lifetime last right? night. Right? Listen, I got my <laughs> pinkies in the air after that. <laughs> we fancy. I, uh, I in fact, almost. So I texted you to tell you that I saw that. But, you know, I was also in the middle of dying whenever I texted yeah. you. Because I was searching actively for a gif of Iggy Azalea saying I'm so fancy. But <laughs> I couldn't hold my phone upright long enough to find it. So that's what I was like. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Oh my lord. That's hilarious. Cause I could press the microphone and talk to my phone and tell it what to do, but I could not actively type anymore. That's so funny. Oh but also sad. <clears throat> Just like this movie was sad. Yeah, I don't want to talk about this case. Let's make our own. Okay. Let's talk Look, I so I like afterwards I they did like a ten minute thing. Where they talked to the actual Mary Stoffer and her daughter. And, like, some shit went down in the courtroom and stuff during oh, all this. Yeah. Which the movie didn't touch on that. So oh, man. I can't wait to tell it. you about all that. This guy is a nutbag. Um, well, we can't talk too much about it because no one knows who we are. Oh, crap. Who are we? Um, God, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. Uh-huh. I'm Ryan Reynolds. I'm Allison Hannigan. Yeah, we are. <laughs> actually pe- the m- celebrity i get most compared to is allison hannigan i can see that i'll send you like a gif of her face that people always send me and say it looks just like me i uh okay 
I can't wait. Um, <laughs> I, one time, one of my favorite Facebook statuses, just because the story that, re- that resulted from it, is I said, guys, I know I look like Robert Downey Jr. Please stop asking me for autographs. It gets really annoying. I'm just trying to buy stuff at Walmart or something to that effect. <laughs> and one of the sweet old ladies from my church was like, hey, that's pretty cool. I can see the resemblance. And I was Aww. like, everyone needs a sweet old lady from church. Yeah. Also, you probably shouldn't be driving if you see the resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Um, yeah, so this movie was called Abducted, the Mary Stauffer story. And it starred Allison Hannigan as Mary. One time at band camp. Yep. Um, she is from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. How I Met Your Mother, um, and the American Pie franchise. I had the absolute biggest crush on her and Buffy. Like, she's the reason I continued to watch Buffy well after it got sucky. (laughs) Oh my god, that does look like you. (laughs) Right? Also, I just have that message open, so it just popped up, and I haven't closed it yet, so Allison Hannigan just keeps looking at me. Because she's finally realized that I look like Robert Downey Jr. She did. (laughs) (laughs) She's ready to be with you, but too bad you have a contractually obligated marriage to Sarah. (laughs) Um, I wonder if Sarah would sign up for like a sister-wife situation. I doubt it. Listen, I... I mean, maybe. She one time told me that if I found someone who did laundry in like the windows, that maybe she'd be down for it, so... Well, it sounds like you you, you have some room there. <laughs> a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. Also, I don't um, have enough energy to keep up with just Sarah. I don't know how people think they can have multiple partners. I don't either. Um, Howie Lai, he plays Ming. Um, he was an arrow. He was an altered carbon and he has been an eye zombie. Okay. So they got like solid B-listers. Daniel Neems, I think, is his name. He plays, his character's name is Irv, but I just call him Hot Preacher. Okay. Because I like to objectify men. Well, Sorry, not sorry. Why uh, else were men put on this planet, right? Except that we need to be objectified. Exactly. <laughs> what was this guy's name? I gotta look him up now. Daniel Neems, N-E-M-E-S. Okay. He's been in Home and Away. Um, a show called Pack to the Rafters. I don't even know what that is. Um, and he was in a show called You Have a Nice Flight, where he played a character named Rex Steelbuns. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dang. Um, and he's also been in Deadly Women. Okay. Yeah. He's he probably died. Very good looking. He's, he's a honey. Mm-hmm. Does he look like this in the movie? Uh, well, he wears clothes, but yes, oh. he does look like that. <laughs> uh, look, not many men can make a turtleneck look really sexy, but he manages to do it. So here we are. Um, Daphne Hoskins, she plays Beth, and she's young, so she's mostly billed as little girl in her IMDb page. So. Oh, good. Since they won't name her, we won't name them. Um, and then our Pornhubber TV this week is brought to you by Miss Allison Hannigan, me. She was in a movie called Impure Thoughts. Go. Impure Thoughts is the true story of a Boston priest 
who, when any of his um, prisoners confessed to impure sexual thoughts, he made them act out those fantasies with him. It was a complete um, Catholic sex ring, which is in fact the best kind of sex ring, um, that was known about and brushed under the rug by the Pope, all the Popes, every Pope who's ever Poped. Including when Avignon had its own papacy that was separate from the actual papacy, both popes knew about it. Um, it eventually came crumbling down when um, the Amish heard about it. You're actually not far off. Okay, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really, if that's not far off. Four male friends are reunited after not being in contact with with each other for several years. However, the meeting place is in purgatory. The afterlife state of limbo between heaven and hell. In purgatory, these friends reflect on their past while they were living. They they especially focus on their years in Catholic school and their coming of age. This film talks a lot about sexual issues. One of the characters is an 18-year-old sent to Vietnam who dies without ever losing his virginity. And a middle-aged homosexual alcoholic playwright who still has problems dealing with his identity. Because it has so many words in it. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need that many adjectives. No. I can't believe that. Uh, Oh, no. The stomach bug has given me third sight. I just don't have uh, glasses on that eye yet, so it was a little fuzzy. (laughs) Trying to predict that movie. (laughs) Holy moly. We open with a monologue about troubles in our lives. It's May 1980, and I take issue with the idea that this was ripped from the headline. Right? I saw that in the write-ups, too, and I was like, that's... A long time ago to be ripped from the headlines, but okay. Ripped from the headlines, but whatever. <laughs> that was like, that was like casually pulled along the perforated line of the headlines. Like, yeah, yes, definitely. Like for the the dot matrix printer, where you have to pull both sides off and then separate the pages. In college, I worked for a technology company that still did billing on a dot matrix printer. And I had to separate the invoices. That was in 2008. Oh my God. <laughs> it's okay. The accounting system at my job still uses DOS. Yes. <laughs> um, it's May 1980. Like I said, Mary's husband is a preacher and he is hot with five T's. Is he a, well, no, he's not Catholic, but no. is there some confessional stories going on? Like. No. Dang. He's talking about their upcoming mission to the Philippines. Mary gets up to talk about how much the church's support means to her, etc. After church, she's hugging people. And I've got, you know, like you do. Like, I feel like every church has, like, southern goodbye rules. Oh, yeah, duh. Um, and a guy walks up and asks her if she's, quote, really going to go through with this. <clears throat> okay. She starts to answer and she's a little bit confused, but her super hot husband calls her downstairs to speak to some friends. So she says goodbye instead. Later, they're eating dinner and Mary's daughter complains about not wanting to move. Um, 
The next day, Beth and Mary are getting their hair done. Excuse me. As they're leaving, they're walking through the parking lot of a shopping center where the businesses all have very creative names like beauty salon and insurance broker. So you laugh, but have you ever been to Mount Pleasant, Texas? No. My good friend and I have a running joke. So we play, we used to play a lot of performances there at one of the churches. Um, everything is just named after what it is. Like there's a place called the restaurant. And then there's another place called like the most inventive is the noodle bowl. But it's still pretty mm-hmm. self-explanatory. But the noodle bowl sounds good. One is Mount Pleasant Tires. And like everything is just named what it is. It makes it really easy to figure out where you're going. Yeah. Um, they're talking about dinner that night, etc. When the dude from church comes up with a gun. You don't he take point- guns to church, guys. No. He points it at Beth and then abducts them. He tells Mary to drive, and I yell at Mary to drive into the shopping center or another car, not away. Right. <laughs> Additionally, Lifetime, could you not have given us, like, seven minutes to get acclimated? Oh, five minutes, and she was abducted. Yeah. Mary asks why he's doing this and says she doesn't know him. This incenses our kidnapper, who says, if she says that again, he'll kill both of them. That seems like a really... um Shitty reason to kill someone, but what do Dramatic I know? Dramatic over. Oh, wait till you hear about why he kidnapped her in the first place. Or why he became obsessed with her in the first place. No, uh, they, I don't want to know. They drive into the woods and he makes them get into the trunk. Like you do. The most comfortable yeah. place in a sedan. Yeah. Uh, two kids on bikes happen upon them and ask our kidnapper if his car broke down. One of the kids gets a little too close and sees Mary and Beth in the trunk. So the kidnapper picks him up and throws him into. No. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was not expecting that. Like, <laughs> Now, um, going into this, did you know this story? No. Oh, I absolutely did. So I was prepared for this. It still didn't make it easy. Um, It's horrible. The other kid gets away, thank God, but I was not expecting that to happen. Mary asks the other kid his name, and he says his name is Jason. She holds everyone's hands and they pray, and we cut to a search party for Jason. His friend is describing Mary's car to the detectives, and I'm all set for this to be the shortest Lifetime movie ever. Right? But don't worry, the cops are going to fuck this up real bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> and here is our edit of the week. Already? Not, it's not funny, I'm just mad about it. Okay. Um, the kidnapper pulls over and rips Jason out of the trunk, and we never see, hear, or mention Jason again until the end of the movie. I don't like that at all. I, like, I even rewound. There's no gunshot. There's nothing. It's like he was never in the movie. It makes no sense. So, spoiler alert, he's dead. But um, I will tell you I will tell you why cinematically it was done that way. I have the answer. But I really wish they'd acknowledged him if they were going to put him in the movie at all. It was re- very bizarre. I spent the rest of the movie being like, where is Jason, though? Like, what happened to him? I saw that tweet. <laughs> um, Hot Preacher is making dinner and checks his watch because Mary and Beth are late. His sister arrives to hang out and have dinner with them, and they talk about the trip. The kidnapper, meanwhile, abandons Mary's car and puts Mary and Beth into a van. He blindfolds them and drives them to his house. He reassures them that everything is okay, and then he puts them in a closet. So everything is definitely not okay. I was going to say, if I had a dollar for every time someone told me everything's okay and then shoved me in a closet, 
I would just have a claustrophobia attack. There would be no dollars. Yeah. Hot Preacher is done eating dinner, so he sends the kids to play, and his sister's like, Mary's never late, ever. So he calls the sheriff's department to report him them missing. It's but about very, time. The very helpful lady who answers the phone tells him everyone is very busy looking for a missing child, and Mary is probably stuck in traffic. Oh, okay, thanks. Meanwhile, the kidnapper sits Mary in front of a video camera for the worst version of Fireside Chats ever. Not a fan. Of Fireside Chats, I mean. I'm sure this is fine. He asks her what his name is and gets angry when she doesn't know. He tells her his name is Ming and he kidnapped her because he's mad she gave him a low grade in her class 15 years ago. Please don't tell me that. Now I'm going to have to start giving everyone A's. Just... (laughs) (laughs) Also, people made fun of him, so his life was really sad. Um, blah, blah, blah. Wah. She says he could not have done all this over a grade, so he says they're done talking, and he throws her back in the closet, and Beth cries that she wants to go home. Mary says she knows, but Beth has to be strong, and so they pray. Um, Hot Preacher calls the police again because Mary still isn't home. He describes the car she's driving, and wouldn't you know... It matches the car that Jason was abducted in. No. Isn't that wild? Crazy. Man, if only she'd gotten out of traffic earlier. Yeah. If only they'd asked him that question the first time he called, maybe this would have ended differently. I don't know. The police go to the Stauffer's house and let them know that they think Jason's disappearance and Mary and Beth's disappearance are all related. No. Hot, Hot dog. They solved the case. (laughs) man no carnival music this week at all no (laughs) none this was an open and shut case buddy um uh, in the closet beth has to go to the bathroom so mary bangs on the closet door ming comes in and says that there's a bucket for them to use what a charmer yeah um there's no way this guy is single yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it myself. Um, Mary says they shouldn't have to be in a closet with their own filth, so he lets them go to the bathroom. Mary locks the door and starts checking things out, but all the windows are nailed and taped shut. I'm sorry, let's appreciate for just a moment that she pulled out her teacher voice enough to get to go to the bathroom, and he still yeah. listened. Like, yeah. <laughs> t- teachers everywhere pulled out that teacher voice at the exact moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Ming gets mad at them later because they won't eat and then he chains them together so they won't try to escape like you do he says if they try to escape um, he'll kill them and Hot Preacher and their other, and her other son man I guess go big and go home uh, yeah um, he says he thought of everything so no one will ever find them I don't believe him but we'll see how this plays he- out He's delightful. Um, Seven days into the ordeal, Mary's in front of the video camera again, asking if she can call her husband and son. And Ming tells her no. She asks him to let Beth go be with her father because this isn't about Beth. And um, she asks Ming if he's in love with her. Why does he want to hurt her? Ming says he wants her to be happy and he can't let her go so far away from him. She begs him to let her go and he says no. Um, she and Beth, like back in the closet, they, they hug and she hums amazing grace. 
the hot preacher is preaching like you do. He asks everyone to keep praying for Mary and Beth to come home. They hand out flyers for people to pass out. Ming is in his dark house watching the news about Mary and Beth. He makes Beth write a letter to Hot Preacher telling him she's having second thoughts about moving and needs time to herself. So, yeah. During the commercials. So what would you do? Like, you know, so if. Would you put like a word in there to be like. To alert Sarah that. Absolutely. Like, so it's kind of like. You remember how you were asking me, maybe it was last week, you were talking about the girl who was abducted by her teacher, and uh, that was a kind of recent case, like in the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, she made lots of errors in her letter that she was forced to write to her dad to yes. give hints, and I, that's what I would do. I would, like, spell it poorly, because mm-hmm. everyone knows that's not me. Um, yeah. And do something crazy with my handwriting, like to let her know that this is seriously trouble. Yeah. I would just like, I would think like, oh, I can't get, wait to get home and eat my favorite food. Pasta. And onions. Pasta is my favorite food. Well, for me, it just makes me sick. Oh, well. I'd be like, I want to come home and my, eat my favorite liver and onions. And right. then people would be like, oh, that's not her. <laughs> <laughs> Or like, um, I'm so glad I'm teaching math next year. That would be the thing that gave it away. Um, during the commercials, they played a preview for the college admission scandal movie next week. And I am almost 100% positive that the guy who plays Felicity Huffman's husband on Desperate Housewives is in this movie. Oh, really? Which the shade is unreal there and i love it um i checked imdb and he's not on there but they're like they only have like part of the cast on there so i think it's him it looks a lot like him if not and that's next week it is gotta make sure i watch that yeah because that's mine but yeah (laughs) um hot preacher tells their son that mary and beth just need to find the right road to get back home um, Mary and Beth are trying to sleep, and Mary tells Beth that she used to pretend that her room was an ocean. She tells Beth to close her eyes and then open them, and she asks, where are we? And Beth says, in a closet. Beth is my kind of gal. Yeah. I was like, spoken like a true smartass, Beth. Four for you. They're having a nice moment, which Ming must have been able to sense because he busts in to ruin the day. He tells them that if they do whatever he says, he's going to let them go. But he's a big fat liar. He takes Mary upstairs and rapes her. No. And someone at Lifetime must have known I was having a tough week because they blessedly did not show the rape. Thank the Lord. Just the video camera set up in his bedroom. Only moderately less cringy. Yeah. Surprisingly, he did not let them go home afterwards. No. I know. But he said he promised. I know. Um, this is why, Aaron, I tell you every week, you can't trust psychopaths. I know. (laughs) But he did buy Mary a new dress to wear, so I'm pretty sure that he's, like, being nice. Oh, how sweet. The look on your face, that (laughs) is what I wish our new album cover on iTunes could be. (laughs) Oh, God. Um... Uh, da, 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 da. 
um, Hot Preacher gets Mary's letter, but insists to everyone that this is 100% BS. She would never write that. Um, the police are like, well, this is kind of good. What? He ha- this means he hasn't harmed them. Now it- and Hot, Pre- <laughs> Hot Preacher's like, bro, like they're being held against their will. <laughs> and the detective's like, yeah, I mean, they are, but they're alive and that's good. <laughs> I, I really want... So, do you ever watch Live PD? No. You would enjoy it, I think. But I want to see these cops on Live PD. Like, <laughs> the bumbling idiots. Like, like sometimes Lifetime writes these cops that came straight out of Reno 911. I am telling you. Oh, my God. I was, like, screaming the whole time. Ugh. Mean goes to work because you got to keep up appearances when you're psycho kidnapper um gotta make that paper right <laughs> he does computer things and jokes with his co-workers because he's super normal um he goes home wait, and calls wait. down i would like for you to in detail tell me about these computer things <laughs> i can't <laughs> that's not gonna happen that is a new patreon bonus aaron explains technology <laughs> Yeah, at the $20 level, <laughs> I will explain any kind of technology to you you want. And I will only use, like, basic, basic, you know, kindergarten English, because that's all I know about technology. <laughs> oh, God. The, uh, the Wi-Fi routers at my school are these, like, they're, they're discs. They're circular discs that hang on the wall. And um, one of the teachers on my campus sure did tell tech, when, uh, like the IT department, that her flying saucer wasn't interneting. That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he goes home and calls down the hall, Mary, Beth, I'm home. Like they're his family and not his captives that he keeps in the closet. Like you do. Um, he sets out a tablecloth in his finest china and then gets them out of the closet for their nice dinner. God, this is the worst leave it to beaver I've ever heard. <laughs> he has a surprise for them. No. Mary's is got her puppy? What's daughter, though. No. I wish it was a puppy. I um, kind of don't want him to be in vicinity of animals. Yeah, that's true. Mary's got her wits about her and manages to steal something with the house's address on it and shove it down her dress. Mean bought Mary a birthday cake. Not a fan. They sing the worst rendition of happy birthday (laughs) ever. I don't know. I heard a family at dinner tonight that made me literally try to leave the restaurant. It was really bad. Sarah had to push me back in my seat. (laughs) So I'm glad we both suffered. And then Mean gives Beth a video game too. Wow. Because the only thing worse than living with a kid in a closet is living with a kid with a video game in a closet. (laughs) And at the $25 level, we will lock Aaron in a closet with her son while he plays Switch. Oh my god, I still kill myself. Uh, Later, they're doing fireside chats again in front of the video camera. Mm -mm. I thought it got canceled. Ming promises her that he's going to make her life nice. And Mary says she did what he asked last time and she still hasn't he still hasn't let them go. Ming says that's because he she didn't do what he asked. 
she didn't make love to him. He he was making love to her. And Mary points out that actually what he did was rape her. Potato, and potato. Ming is like, no, no, I didn't rape you. It's just that you weren't making love to me the way that I wanted you to. Oh, oh, man. Thank you. Mary? Who was the, do you remember the old love doctor? She was the old lady who used to have the nighttime, like, sex and talk Dr. show. Dr. Ruth. Yes. Mm-hmm. He is the new Dr. Ruth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he is solving all the problems. Mary says she won't betray her husband, and Ming asks her if she wants to die. Because if not, she's going to make love to him exactly how she does with Hot Preacher. The same sound she made, the thing she said, and Mary is horrified and wants to know how he knows that. I was like, say, we can read between the lines and see why he knows that. They get into an argument and he puts a dry cleaning bag over his head and asks if she's ever watched someone die of suffocation. And I thought, oh, good. This problem is about to solve itself. <laughs> right. Like, no, I know uh, what comes no. next. Um, but alas, no, he takes the bag off of his head and drags Beth out of the closet. So Mary agrees to do what he wants. Hot Preacher is folding clothes in the basement and finds a broken window, as well as footprints and a hole drilled under where his bed is upstairs. Um, Which, so much no. See, so, you, I think you have the same problem slash blessing that I have. Where I live is so far below sea level, we can't have basements because they'd flood all the time. All right. right. Um, which means, though, that we have the blessing of we don't have basements for people to break into. True. I mean, you live on the third floor, but like, yeah, when you have a house that's not third floor, no one can break but into we, your basement. But we do have attics, which are almost as bad. Oh, mine is. Um, I'm sure there's a snake in my attic, so let someone break in up there. <laughs> um, the police come and suggest that maybe the guy is into electronics and has been stalking them for a long time with listening devices, which is horrible. Um, also, 1980s electronics, like, what information is he getting out of that crackle and pop of a old, like, I, 8-track recording device? Apparently enough. Um, they ask for a list of church parishioners, as well as old yearbooks from when Mary taught school. Finally! Someone also radios in because they found Mary's car. Um Mary, poor Mary, is back in the closet with Beth, who is asking her a million questions, and she is just broken. Like, Allison Hannigan did a really good job with this part. Um, She's a good actress. But it was really sad. Beth asks if it's still her birthday, and Mary says she thinks that it is, and Beth says, good, I'm glad being let you come back to the closet because I didn't want you to be alone with him on your birthday. Oh, sweet baby. No. Now we're 24 days in. Mary pulls the card out That's with the too address. many days. Ah, uh, yeah. Except it's, like, not even half. Oh, I'm well aware. <laughs> and she has Beth memorize it so she can tell the police where she is if she ever gets away. There's more fireside chats, and Mean talks about all the first world problems that turned him into a world-class psychopath. Oh, great. He tells Mary that she's the reason he's alive, because when he was stalking her, her voice and even her breath gave him comfort. I don't want to be that person. Nope. Mm -mm. 
he says I mean, it okay, happens. so to be fair, as a teacher, I want to be that person for somebody who is not going to then turn into a psychopath. Like, yeah, the not becoming a psychopath is, is the one. The operative. <laughs> that's that's the operative phrase there. Um, he says that having a family and people who love him would really help him along in the world. And Mary is like, you could totally have that. Totally. Somebody will totally love you for real, for real, for, real. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I know a girl. In fact, if you let me drive, I'll go find her. I tweeted quick. Someone invent Tinder so this dude can get like- <laughs> I saw that. And somebody very sweetly responded. I thought it was already invented. And I was like, oh, you're not watching this movie. Yeah. Um, Ming says he doesn't want to hurt them. And that killing is so not his thing. Like not That is so last it. season. Yeah, totally. Um, he asks if she needs anything else. And he she asks for a Bible. Hot Preacher goes to the police station because they had someone break into their house last year while his parents were staying there. And his mom remembered that when she came downstairs, the intruder called her the wrong Mrs. Stauffer. Oh, I'm glad her parents just remembered this. Or his parents, I mean. Right. Yeah, it was dark, but mom thought he was Asian. <laughs> so they start looking at mugshots. Have you ever just let an entire year pass before you remembered that somebody broke into your house? No. Just like you do? No. <laughs> um, Beth is playing her game in the closet and mad props to Mary for not ripping that stupid thing out of her hand and destroying it because that's probably what I would have done. <laughs> um, Ming brings Mary the Bible she asked for. So Mary and Beth start reading. Um, they're reading the Bible and they hear the door open in the house. They wonder out loud why Ming is home so early, but it isn't Ming it's someone else. But Mary doesn't know that. So she tells Beth to be quiet. So Ming will think they're sleeping. And I was like, no, start screaming. Like, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> it's horrible. I have so much anxiety from a movie I didn't watch and a story whose um, ending I know. The person goes down to the basement and turns on loud music. This confuses Mary and Beth because he doesn't usually do that. So they start banging on the floor, but the guy doesn't hear him, hear them. And now we're 31 days in. Again, that's too many days. At least we're past the halfway mark now. Um, Mary and Beth are making shadow puppets in the closet. Uh, Mary voiceovers that that Beth is the only reason she had any strength at all. Ming is feeding them dinner and Beth straight up asks if he keeps someone in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Not a single fuck given by Beth. No. Ming says no, that's his cousin, and he put extra padding on the floor in the closet so they couldn't he couldn't hear them. God. He asks Beth if she wants to go camping because he's been invited to a conference in Chicago, so he rented an RV so they can all go together. I like that he asked her if she wants to, like, what if she was like, no, nah, I think I want to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> Just send me some craft blue box, we'll be fine. Yeah. Then he starts asking them what they would do if someone saw them. And poor Mary, her give a damn is like busted. So she is like, I would tell them we're being held against our will. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I find that so funny, but like, I guess at this point at 34 days or however long you just said, like you really do just give up. um, Yeah. Ming starts laughing like a maniac like and I Beth just did. Oh no. Oh no. 
And poor Beth is like, stop making him mad. Like, what is wrong with you? Mary tells Ming that a better idea would be for Ming to drop them off at home and go to Chicago alone. Um, I like Mary. Ming- She's got spunk. Yeah. Ming tells Beth that he needs her to make a list of everything they'll need to go on their trip. What an asshole. She's like, um, laundry detergent, slim gems for the road, my freedom, um, new socks. Bolt cutters, definitely. Yeah. Um, later during fireside chats, Ming asks Mary why she's being such a buzzkill. Um, Mary says she promised him that she would be honest, and that was her honest answer. She strokes his ego a bit, tells him that he's smart. He says he wants to sell his current company and move to Chicago with them, which, dude, no. Not cool. Listen, like, the market's really saturated in Chicago. You don't really want to go there. They go back and forth about whether God cares about Ming or not. Um, they're interrupted again by Ming's cousin, and he tells Mary that if she screams, he'll shoot Beth. So Ming fights with his cousin, who asks him about the RV and why he never opens any windows. Ming kicks him out and tells him to stop raiding his refrigerator and to move out. So they're off to Chicago. They stop at a gas station to sleep, and a car pulls up. Mary pulls the tape off the window to peek, and it's a police car! Don't get my hopes up, Aaron. As usual, Ming ruins everything. He wakes up and points the gun at her and says if they see him, he's willing to die. Kill her and make her suffer. What a gentleman. Um, The next morning, they drive to the conference, and he tells them that he's rigged them to the gas line of the camper so it will explode if they move too much. And I don't think that's how it would I, was say, but, I don't really believe that. But at this point, don't question it. Total nutbag. So whatever. He also says he's bugged the camper. And if they make noise, he'll kill as many people as he can. And then come back to the RV and kill them. And again, like, I don't know how that would work out for him. Right. But he's crazy. So whatever. <clears throat> So they whisper to each other. They try to get free, but they can't. Then they hear some kids skateboarding outside. So Mary peels the tape out the window, off the window and opens it. She calls to the kids to call the police, but they laugh and call her crazy. And then they leave. No. And I've said it once. I will say it again. Teenagers are horrible human beings. God. That... Back in Minnesota. Sorry. After their trip. Ming lets them out of the closet and they give him, he gives them a whole bedroom to live in. A whole bedroom just for me? Gee, thanks. Yeah, he says he has another surprise and he lets Beth call her dad for Father's Day. Oh. Hot Preacher answers the phone and confirms that they're okay, but then Ming makes her get off the phone. During fireside chats, Ming says it'll all be over soon, and Mary asks him if he's going to let them go. He says, you know I can't do that. Instead, he says he can rent the RV for up to a year and go somewhere where nobody knows him. Um, You seem so popular that I don't think many people know you where you live. Like, you could just go next door. He asks what she wants to do for the 4th of July, they hear a noise and Ming freaks out again because of course he does. Like, um, 
and it's poor baby Beth. She had to go to the bathroom. So he, t- like, the door was unlocked. So he totally freaks out. He starts to make them get back in the closet. But instead, he just chains, like, loops their chains through the door. Um, what do you mean, then, loops, his, loops their chain through the door? So there, it's like a... Like, like where the hinge is? Okay. Yeah, like down through the hinge. Okay, gotcha. Um... <clears throat> He asks them if they want to go to the park for the 4th of July to see the fireworks. Yes. Yes, we do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mary's voiceover says she knew that Ming intended to kill them in the end. Um, Later, he comes in with a sparkler like some kind of lunatic and takes them to the park. Um, Hot Preacher is at home trying to spread cold butter on a piece of bread, so Mary needs to get home quick before (laughs) they all um his son comes in and asks if they're going to see the fireworks but he says he doesn't want to go without mary and beth um so mary beth and ming go to the park and ming says if they try to alert anyone he will shoot and kill as many people as he can like again with like the mass shooting thing like not cool right nobody recognizes them at the fireworks not even the police so good job police well done Man, and I just knew this was going to be one of those cases where the police were going to be actual heroes the whole time. So now there's ten minutes left in this movie, so I need Mary to get on it. (laughs) Steven, their son, is playing hockey in the driveway. Mary and Beth are um, in their room, and get a little light gets in and shines on the door hinges. Mary figures out if she can get the bolt out of the hinge, they can get free. So she starts to mess mess with it, and Beth is like, "Please don't do this. You're gonna make us make him mad. You're, like he's gonna hurt you." Da da da. But Mary is like, "Listen, like shut up." Yeah. <laughs> she gets free and is like, "We gotta go." But Beth is like, "He's gonna find us and do something bad to us." And Mary is like, "We have to go." <laughs> um. She goes into the kitchen and calls the police and gives them their location. The lady who answers the phone. Oh my god. It's like, wait, you're Mary Stauffer? And Mary is like, could everybody focus and get me out of this situation? <laughs> they ask if she can get out of the house, and she says she thinks they can. But if he comes home, not to come in the house because he has weapons everywhere. So they run outside and hide behind an RV as a car pulls into the driveway. So it's either Ming or it's the cops. We don't know. Or it's the cousin. We no, he already moved. Um, another hot cop comes to pick up Hot Preacher and bring them to the station. Lots of hot guys in this movie. Um, Mary and Beth are still hiding. The person slowly walks up the driveway, and oh, thank God, it's the lady cop who does not know how to take phone messages. Um, <laughs> she came herself. Like she's, <laughs> I cracked this case. <laughs> um. The detective pulls up and gives her a long spiel about how taking them to the station to see her husband and then going to the hospital. And Mary's like, cool, no need to stand around and talk about it. Let's go. <laughs> you can tell we didn't plan in the car. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Ming, meanwhile, is leaving his office and about 900 police cars pull up and arrest him. Bye. Um, Mary and Beth are reunited with Hot Preacher and Steven. Everyone cries and claps. The detective brings a big old boat cutter and cuts the chains off of them. 
everyone's happy except me, but nobody cares about that dude. Um, Mary gives a speech at church. They show a Polaroid of Mary and Beth while they were in captivity, like the real Mary and Beth. Um, quote, Ming was sentenced to life in prison. He was also convicted of second degree murder after the remains of Jason were found. Ming claimed he panicked and did not mean to harm the boy. Mary and Irv currently live a quiet life in Duluth, Minnesota. Beth is married with a family of her own. Ming Sin Shu was denied parole in the summer of 2016. And then it ends with a quote from Mary. It says, God's promise is something we can always depend on, even in the most horrible and seemingly hopeless circumstances. Mary Stoffer. Oh. The end. Mary Stoffer is a badass. Yes, she is. <clears throat> All right. So half of the crazy things or not half but there are quite a few crazy things in this case that the movie just like glanced over so yeah i am excited to have different information because sometimes i'm like damn lifetime nailed it yeah um so at the top my information comes from um an article called um inside from people magazine called inside the miraculous escape of a mom and daughter held captive in the closet for 53 days and that one came out october 4th 2019 all these articles are very recent because of the movie yeah um there's also um the true story behind the lifetime movie abducted the mary stoffer story um and that is uh from cheatsheet.com which they specialize apparently like or rather this section was like the movie section and they specialize in telling the true story behind these movies that pop up so i'm gonna have to start checking them more often Mm -hmm. there is the real abducted mary stoffer story is just as harrowing as the movie from bustle and you know i love my bustle articles yes um then from the twin cities pioneer press there was an article by Rick Wiegman that came October 3rd of this year. And then finally, everyone's good old best research friend, the Wikipedia article Ming Sen Shu. Which mm. I um, I find really disheartening and disappointing that he has his own Wikipedia page and she does not. Yeah, that's annoying. Like he should, like he should be a footnote in her story, not the other way around. Definitely. Um, so I'm going to kind of jump around timeline, timeline and timeline wise. Sure. Because I can't figure out a good way to tell this story. Um, oh, okay. So I'm trying to read this article and, um, my iPad saved the first page three times. So I just kept swiping through the first page and I was like, I don't know what I did. So I finally found my information. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so in, I did some math here. Let me find it. Um, from what I could figure, she was born around 1943, but there's not a whole okay. lot of like, um, biographical, biographical information available about mm-hmm. her. Um, she was born in West Duluth, but her family moved to Hermantown when she was 10. And so her and her two siblings graduated from Hermantown High School, where um, 
eventually she taught and then no i'm sorry she did not teach her brother taught um she taught at a neighboring town at ramsey high school so her and her brother both became teachers um okay she taught math from 1965 to 1967 um in 1965, she married um, a man f- uh, named Irv Stoffer, who um, was in seminary. Um, mm-hmm. And then after she had taught for two years, they actually went and were missionaries in the Philippines for, um, I think they were there for four years the first time. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, but during that first two years that she taught at Ramsey High School, by the way, just to put all of this into perspective, she only taught math for two years and she happened to have this crazy in those two years. Like those odds are slim and she hit them. Yeah, they are. Girl, you need to go buy a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so he didn't cause any problems like while he was her student, but other students later warned her that she had become obsessed with her while she taught there. So that's what I'm going to jump into the story of Ming Sen Shu because their paths cross. Um, so he was born in 1950 um, in Taiwan and his family moved to Minnesota when he was eight years old. Um, his father died three years later. He was a professor at the University of Minnesota and so it left men alone with his mom and his two siblings. Okay. Um, he was described as violent towards his younger siblings. Um, and I know this is going to shock you, but he beat them both during adolescence, adolescence and into adulthood. Cool. Yeah. So that's not telling at all. No. <laughs> if this were a book, we'd call that foreshadowing. Um, I don't like it. He, um, started, um, Involving himself in criminal activity whenever he was pretty young, like in his early to Mm -hmm. mid-teens. He started setting fires in apartments. Like he set fires in apartments of three different strangers and he would throw rocks at moving vehicles. Um, So he actually was forced into court-ordered psychotherapy at the age of 14 because of the fires. (laughs) Your eyes just got so big. (laughs) Um, it didn't didn't go well apparently (laughs) it didn't take um he according to his mom he lied a lot but was persistent about being right she said he was an uncontrollable child and he took no responsibility for his physical behavior um and so she said she described him as someone having quote no feelings like a dog to which I wrote, don't sully the names of dogs like that. Yeah, for real. <laughs> dogs the best. Um, so, he um, he attended Ramsey High School where Stoffer worked for one year. He was only there for a year. According to what I found. Um, he came to have a what he called crush on his algebra teacher let me tell you what a crush is you think someone's cute until they cut their hair that's what a crush is that's not a crush um as i think 
Allison Hannigan says herself in How I Met Your Mother, that's not a meat cute. That's a stop crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he later admitted that he, in the ninth grade, sexually fantasized about his teacher and wrote stories about his fantasies with fictional characters from movies as well as Mary Stoffer in which these stories that he wrote included consensual rape. I mean, consensual sex, rape and gang rape scenarios. That's not a crush. And nobody like alerted the authorities that this was happening. They were like, Oh look, this kid's going to be a writer. Framed it, put it on the fridge. Um, Years later, he realized that these stories did not fulfill him anymore and he needed to take it to the next level. You don't say. Which naturally, you know, like the next level, stories about um, consensual sex, rape, and gang rape. It seems to me like the next level would be, I don't know, Jesus. Like, go to church. Do anything. Take up knitting. Or like serious inpatient therapy. Yes. Um, Or, you know, abduct uh, your ninth grade teacher. Nope, that's not it. So in 1975, um, what's this guy's name? Ming. (laughs) I hate him so badly. I refuse to remember his name. (laughs) Ming located what he thought was Mary's residence with her husband um, because he'd done that old... um, you know, like private eye thing where he had to like dig deep in the knowledge banks to find the white pages in the phone book and find the name Irv Stoffer and just went to that address. Except that Irv Stoffer was a junior. So he actually went to the home of Irv Stoffer Sr., Mary's father-in-law. Oh. Uh-huh. And um, he broke in and um, let me switch articles again to get to that story. Um, Is this when uh, he calls her the wrong Mrs. Stoffer? Yes. So he walks in on Irv and he didn't actually know what Irv looked like. So he walked in and saw um, Irv's dad and said, you need to call your wife down right now. Um, I'd be like, dude, no. He broke into their house on the 4th of July and he held Irv Sr. at gunpoint. He took him into the house and told him to call his wife into the room. And when Mary's mother-in-law entered, she realized his mistake. So he did the next logical step, tied them up, locked them in a room and said, if you ever tell anyone about this, I'll fucking kill you. So. That's not the next logical step. I just want to be clear about that. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. What do you do when you accidentally hold the wrong person at gunpoint, Aaron? Oh, I don't hold anyone at gunpoint, so oh. I never run into this problem. <laughs> so, um, so they held that secret for five years. They didn't tell anyone about that for five years. Why? Like, by year five, does it just become one of those fun stories you tell at Thanksgiving? Like, oh, Irv, do you remember that time that delightful little Asian <laughs> man came and tied me up? Like... <laughs> Like, how do you not tell anyone for five years? That's crazy. 
When somebody tells me don't say anything, I text y'all immediately. <laughs> like, True. like they're not out of the room yet before I'm texting you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so five years later in 1980, um, Mary and Irv are home from the Philippines. They're on a one-year furlough before they have to return. Um, okay. So for people who are unfamiliar with, like, how missionaries work, um, you are called to a place by, and they're Baptist, so it was probably by the International Missions Board, which is an organization probably. that kind of plans this out. Um, and you spend time there, but then you come back for a year, Um and then they evaluate whether you are going to go back to that place or to a new place, or if you're not going to go back to the mission field at all. Um, and right. so that's what they were doing in this year. Um, and they were living in um, some apartments made specifically for Baptist missionaries um, in Arden Hills, Minnesota. Okay. And so when Shu found that they were back, he increased his security on them because he'd been stalking her for years at this point. Uh-huh. Um, he spied on them from the woods outside the apartments. Um, she hypothesizes, in fact, that he saw their packing tra- crates and knew that they'd be leaving shortly. And that sent him into this manic kind of rage that he had to act fast. And that that's why this, like, because he, from what they gathered later, he's very calculated. And then this taking them in broad daylight outside of a hair salon does not seem like a calculated move. And she thinks like people think he was just panicking at that point, which right. 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 Made sense. Yeah. Um, so shortly before the abduction, he tried to break in through the patio doors using a blowtorch. Um, who left him alone with a blowtorch? <laughs> right. Who was like, I know he- here, buddy, here's a new hobby. Go burn stuff with this blowtorch. He also... After you set fires purposefully in your childhood. Right? That's... The psychotherapist did that thing. Like, you know when kids used to get caught smoking so their parents would make them smoke the whole pack so they'd get really sick? Yes, that happened to one of my friends. (laughs) The psychotherapist was like, since you like fire so much, you have to carry this active blowtorch all the time. How's that feel? (laughs) Um, These people are crazy. So he also tried to break in or he uh, got into a storage area by their house um, and used it to cut holes in the floor underneath their bed, which left sawdust on the floor. And Irv noticed it and just swept it up like he he didn't follow up. (laughs) And I don't mean to laugh, but can you imagine like... Finding out your husband noticed two holes Can in the floor. Can you imagine her going home and he's like, so I have to tell you, like, that one time that I found sawdust on the floor. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right. I was just abducted for however many days because you swept sawdust off the floor and didn't tell me? <laughs> yes. She's like, damn it, Irv, I can't go back to the Philippines with you. <laughs> Oh, man. I can't even trust you when we're in America. Good grief. That's so funny. Um, (laughs) Why I'm not married, because I would just yell at my husband all the time. I mean, you said it, not me. 
Um, anyway, so five days before they were supposed to leave for the Philippines again, um, Mary Stoffer was taking Beth to the hair salon. So, um, she'd already taken her son to the hair, like to get his hair cut that day. Um, and then they, he was in half day kindergarten, but he did Mm -hmm. afternoon, not morning kindergarten. So while he was at school, she went and picked up Beth to go get his, her haircut. Always put your kid in morning kindergarten (laughs) so you can sleep. Right. And then when he, when he gets home, he's tired and takes a nap. Right. Then you have all this time to yourself. Aaron just fixed everyone's problems. Yeah. Um, Parenting 101. Anyway, so. uh, A lazy parent's guide to getting enough sleep. That's my parenting (laughs) book title. (laughs) Um, So on May 16th, 1980, he tracked her down outside of a beauty salon in Roseville. When they left the salon, he held her at gunpoint outside of her car. And so she thought, let's see, um. Let's see. I'm trying to find her quote. I thought maybe he just wanted directions. And then he pulled a gun. Like, can you imagine being like, shit, I've got to remember if that's north or south. And then there's like a gun involved. And suddenly you're like, north and south is not a problem. Right. Um, She said he had a gun in his waistband and he put it at Beth's side and said, I need a ride. And I was ready to give him the keys to the car. So, like, he didn't come and hold a gun at her. He held it at her daughter. And that's the most, like, calculated... It's horrifying because you know that she's going to do whatever you say because she's going to want to protect her child. Right. Um, so, and then her interview makes her just sound, because this is a recent interview. This was done because the movie was coming out. And so her mm-hmm. interview makes her sound like the sweetest little old grandma. And I just, I want to sit and talk to her she forever. She probably is. Actually, she's a great grandma. I know that. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but... She's like the cutest little old lady. Oh. She said um, when he got in the car, she tried to appeal to him with her faith and to say that God could help him if he was in trouble. She said, I said, we are Christians and our God specializes in helping people in trouble. He said, shut up and drive. So I don't think he was ready to hear the gospel. (laughs) I love that she says, like, our God specializes in that. Like, it's. Do you think there's like multiple departments in heaven? And like, God's like, okay, this is my specialty, and this is Jesus's specialty, and this is uh, Saint Peter's specialty. Right. <laughs> oh, man, it's like a department store. <laughs> so while they were driving, a police officer pulled up behind them at an intersection, and she threatened that if the car turned the same direction as them, he would shoot Beth. Like, she had any control of that. Yeah, he does that a lot, like, and it's really annoying. Like, the other times that he threatens to kill Beth, it's over something that Mary has control of. But, like, if that cop turns the same way as us, I'm going to kill her. Like, what did he think? Right. Well, then, when he takes them to see the fireworks... He says, if anybody recognizes you, like, this and that. And I'm like... She didn't have any control over that. Right? Take her to another town. I, I don't know. Right. So, um, luckily, the cop drove in the complete opposite direction. I mean, not luckily, but luckily. Luckily, because honestly, the cop would have probably bungled it up <laughs> anyway if he had caught them. So He sees the gun and he's like, oh, that nice man is taking his wife and kid for a 
gun drive. Everyone knows about the gun drive. <laughs> he goes and loads his kids up for their own gun drive. He's like, guys, let's go on a gun drive. It'll be fun. <laughs> oh, Come on, Sally. God. Um, so they drove to a wooded area where Shu tied them up and um, covered their mouths with tape and then forced them into um, this um, this journalist was feeling themselves because they wrote, put them face down in the cavernous trunk. We didn't need that adjective. She bought that extra room for a reason. <laughs> um, Beth recalls, I was scared mainly just because, mainly because you just didn't know what was happening. There was nothing in my world that this made any sense. We didn't know who he was or what he wanted. Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. Right. So he drove them out to the middle of nowhere and retrieved his van from a parking lot. He opened the trunk and he put the spare tire on top of them. So that they'd be like obstructed from view, but also held down. And so that's when two neighborhood boys approached the car. One stayed at the front while the other, and that was Jason, went to the back to investigate. Mm-hmm. And Mary said, I think our abductor panicked and grabbed Jason and threw him in the trunk on top of us. The other boy saw what happened to his friend and ran home. We didn't know what had happened. And all of a sudden the trunk is slammed. The car is started and it peels out. It was a wild ride out of there. Um, and then she talks about the boy, how he wouldn't stop crying. And he said he needed to get home because he needed to visit his grandma that weekend. Oh. And Beth said, I mentioned that I was supposed to visit mine as well. And just sweet baby angels. Oh, it's horrible. I hate it. So they went to a wildlife area, like a, like a state park equivalent. Um, where she took Jason out of the trunk and into the woods. And Beth recalls, we felt Ming grab Jason and take him out. There was a crowbar next to me. I didn't know if it was a crowbar, just a long metal stick. Uh, it wound up being a tire iron. Um, and he went off for a long, long time. And then when he returned, he didn't open the trunk and they just started, like the car just took off. And so Mary said, we, and Jason was no longer with us. Um, so at the time they didn't know what had happened to him. And I mentioned in the movie, like that in the movie, he just disappears because he just disappeared from them. And the, when they finally found out that he was dead was when Mary called the police when she got free. And I'll talk about that later, but yeah. So like they went seven and a half weeks, not knowing anything about that boy and knowing that he'd been taken because of them. That's horrible. Um, so I hate this guy. Yep. So he tied them up back in his uh, windowless van, um, and took them to the electronic store where he uh, that he owned called Sound Ele- Sound Equipment Services. Um, he allowed them to use the bathroom and gave them juice before blindfolding them and putting them back in his van and driving them to his family's home near Roseville, which was literally six miles from her apartment where she, like where her family lived. Oh. It's horrible. He put them in a bedroom closet that measured four feet by 21 inches. 
Okay. Sorry, I'm claustrophobic and I'm trying not to picture that and it's not working. Um, in any case, um, she said the closet had obviously been prepared for us because there were no clothes on the rod. There were some blankets and plastic bags on the shelf, a light bulb and a pole chain, a scatter rug and two small throw pillows on the floor. And, um, there's a book called Stalking Mary that mm-hmm. was written by a woman named Eileen Bridgman Birnot. Yes. And she said in a documentary in 2010, quote, this was his moment of triumph. He had found the person he'd wanted all these years and he had her in his control. And I just wrote you because what else can you say? Not a lot. So, um, in the meantime, Mary's sister came over for dinner. Her name was Sandra. Um, Irv called the salon and the hairstylist confirmed the mother and daughter had left around four 30. Um, and he said, I was concerned that Mary and Beth were not home. I didn't sleep that evening. Um, so later that night, he and some of his colleagues started calling local hospitals to see if they'd been admitted, admitted there. And then they finally called the police and the police straight up said they weren't really concerned about it because Jason Wilkman was more important. Um, cool. Jason's friend reported the abduction and he didn't, he wasn't able to see in the truck and didn't know that they were in there. Um, so Irv said, we were not a priority an hour, maybe two hours later. An officer came by the apartment. I could sense he thought this was a domestic problem. Well, guess what? It's not. It's not. Surprise. Um, So finally, the next morning, investigators were searching the park where Jason was taken. And they found the license plate from Mary's car that had been torn off whenever she was getting away. And that's when they were like, hmm, maybe, maybe, just maybe these cases are linked. So... I don't know. Seems like a long shot. In my notes, whatever they said that Jason was more important, I put circus music, but very gently. Like, they weren't <laughs> intentionally ignoring Mary. They just thought the kid was more important. And so, uh, <laughs> I gave myself my own narration. Whenever they found the license plate, I wrote, hmm, beard scratching. <laughs> Maybe these things are related. Um, what's better is the police asked the little boy for a description of Ming. Um, and when he gave it, they had an artist render, uh, him with sunglasses on as he'd seen him and then without sunglasses. And when they ran the news story about her being kidnapped and everyone saw the picture of the man with the sunglasses on, they just started calling the police and saying the husband did it because that man looks just like the husband. So he became, and usually this happens, he became suspect number one, but um, they spent a considerable amount of time looking into Irv. I need everyone in Minnesota to go get their eyes checked. (laughs) Yes. Because I've seen pictures of Irv and I've seen pictures of Ming and they do not look the same. Nope. Um, So... Um, on day two of the kidnapping, Shu finally brought Mary out of the closet. 
He put a blanket on the floor and made a romantic place for her to sit blindfolded and tied to a piece of furniture. I hate it. Um, He then did, as you called it, the fireside chat. He videotaped a three-hour interview where he slowly revealed who he was. The way he revealed it, this is the most asinine way I have ever heard. He said, do you remember a student who developed a formula for an algebra problem? Mary said, when he said it, I remembered him, but he hadn't given me any problems in class. But like, was that your shining moment in high school was that you developed an algebra question? Because like, dude, I I regularly do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm going to start calling all my high school teachers and just like putting on a voice modifier (laughs) and asking if they remember a guy who answered an algebra question. (laughs) (laughs) So then during his question, question and answer session, Ming said that the B that Mary gave him as a freshman was a blemish on his otherwise perfect record. And because of that, he wasn't able to receive scholarships because of that one B he got as a freshman. I'm going to assume that it's probably because he was a complete nutbag and liked to set things on fire, not the fact that he got a B in the ninth grade. Oh, just wait. I'll tell you the actual reason. Oh, good. Um, he said that since his father died, he couldn't afford to attend, co- attend college. And without a scholarship, he was drafted into the Vietnamese War and ended up in a prisoner of war camp. And all of his failures in life were Mary's fault. Except that he finished number one in his high school. He could have earned a scholarship to any college with his grades. He was voted most likely to succeed by his peers. And he attended the University of Minnesota. He also never served in the military. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. She said... Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you were waiting for the titillating reason why he didn't go to college. No, he did! <laughs> there is no reason. That's the reason. Well, I think pretending to be a prisoner of war is way fucked more fucked up. up than saying that you didn't go to college when you did. Right? Um, oh my God. She said... He knew he hadn't failed. He knew he was number one in his class. He knew that he had attended college. He knew he'd never been in the military. But it had to be a plausible story that I would feel some regret some regret for how badly I treated him in class. Um, she didn't treat him badly. No, uh-huh. So he then revealed um, his three-step plan to avenge his wrongs. You know, revenge in three steps. That's my biography. The look you're giving me? (laughs) No. Just, no. I said, what are you going to do for revenge? And he began to remove my slacks and underpants and pull my shirt over my head and said, I think you can guess. I don't want your scars to be physical. I want them to be emotional. I want you to feel dirty, debased, and degraded. Dude, that's fucked up. Yeah, also, like, I thought villains only monologued in, like, superhero movies. But apparently, he really liked to hear himself speak. Oh, God. Um, He then videotaped six hours of rape. Until he had to return the camera he had borrowed. 
I hate this, like, a lot. How do you go to a friend and be like, hey, dude, can I borrow your camcorder real quick? It's just it's nine hours, ten hours tops. I just have this real important thing. I would never. Also, I don't have any friends, so there's that. No one nearby. No one nearby that I could borrow a camcorder from. You don't need a camcorder. Everything you own has a camera in it. I'm thinking if I lived in the 80s here, there's nobody on this earth I liked enough to go ask to lie about a camcorder, but especially like just to go and ask for their expensive piece of equipment to be an asshole with. Well, you don't have the gumption it takes to be this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well then, I think I'm okay Clearly. with that. Um, she said that she had to remember that this was happening to her physical body and not to her soul. And that she had to keep a very clear separation of that so that it wouldn't consume her. Mm. Um, so then... Um, since he got exactly and not even a little bit what he wanted, um, he threatened to kill Beth if um, she didn't start being more loving toward him. And she said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I love my husband and I promise to be true to him until death. And what uh, what you ask, I cannot do. Um, so he took that plastic bag and put it over Beth's head and said, you have about five minutes till she dies. So she, um, she said she'd do it. And Beth said, mom, what does he want you to do? And I said, he wants me to sin. And she said, oh, mom, don't sin. But please, can I come out from under this bag? It's so hot in here. (sighs) Poor baby. Like. The story sucks. It's awful. Why did you pick it? Somehow I'm convinced this is your fault. I didn't pick this. (laughs) I think you want to direct your complaint to someone at the Lifetime Network. I have several complaints for Lifetime. person is not me. Chiefly that we're not writing for them yet. Don't they know who we are? They retweeted us. They know who we are. Exactly. By us, I mean you. Yes. Um, So... What followed was, she said, the most horrible of the rape sessions, but at least Beth was safe. Um, He went to work one day and left Beth in a box in his van for four hours on a summer's day. What the fuck? Just to prove how in control he was. Um, And so Beth's... Like, that's how people die here. Uh-huh. Yeah, it says amazingly it didn't kill her. Like, Minnesota, I know that you don't understand this, but, like, we borrowed a Minnesotan and brought her down to Houston, and she almost died just getting out of the car. So. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She did. We can have her on the podcast tell her harrowing tale (laughs) of survival when the Texans brought her down in the middle of the summer. (laughs) So, Beth says... People have asked me many times, why didn't you run away when he left you in the van? And she said, the one thing that he made extraordinarily clear was that if mom ran away, he'd kill me. And if I ran away, he'd kill her. There was no way I was leaving if she would die. Well, yeah. Um, And then this article, I just want to side note, goes on this tangent about her brother 
And, like, I get that he was living in fear, but I don't care about the brother. Like, he talks about how bad the seven and a half weeks were on him, and I get it. But at the same time, this story's not about you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, he eventually, on the 10th day, started relaxing some of his rules, and he allowed them to shower and eat in the kitchen. So well, well, yes, looks fancy. So a gracious ruler. Um, he gave he provided Beth with a TV and bought her board games like Uno, and he'd call her terms of endearment like Bethy, my Bethy. And Beth says he was weirdly affectionate in a sick parental way. It was icky then, and it's creepy now. I agree. <laughs> um, so Mary had to write two letters to Irv. The first, uh, first to try and convince him that the police shouldn't be looking for her because she's not missing. She just ran away. And the second to strongly suggest the police stop their involvement or Mary would never be seen again. So cool. he would go to his business every day and leave them stuck and trapped in that house. Um, with the inside doorknob taken off in the closet so they couldn't get out. Um, and she says, he ran a business. Oh, no, this was uh, Birnot, the woman who wrote the book about it. He ran a business. He paid payroll. He went to the supermarket. He got his oil changed. Life went on as normal for him. And Psychopath. Yet, yep. Just like us. <laughs> and yet there was this secret life going on. So um, he took them on a road trip in a rented Winnebago. They went to a job fair in Chicago. Um, and he he went to Beth and said, wouldn't it be cool to go on a vacation in a motorhome? And she, she said, I've been stuck in a closet for four and a half weeks, so the thought of being in a motorhome seemed interesting to me. Like, yeah. fair. I like, I, I love motorhomes. They're the best. I um I enjoy that Beth was interviewed in this too because we get the like the childlike perception of what was happening. Yeah. Um. So he kept Beth very close to him so that Mary wouldn't tell anyone about the abduction. Um. He finally um let them buy new clothes four and a half weeks in. They'd been wearing the same clothes for four and a half weeks. Um, That's disgusting. Uh huh. So he stopped at a mall in Madison, Wisconsin, and let them buy clothes. Um, Ew, Wisconsin! Right? This story just keeps getting worse. God. Um, so Mary tried to find ways to tell the authorities. So this was like the most brilliant thing. She used a traveler's check while shopping, hoping that the bank would be notified of the transaction. Um, and Irv had told the FBI she has a traveler's check in her purse. The FBI didn't, like, follow up to see if the traveler's check was ever used. So, Irv and Mary had worked together telepathically to get this thing solved. And the FBI was like, you know what we should do? Be figuring out how, how in 35 years to be watching people through their computers. That's what we should be doing right now. <laughs> You know what we should do? We should fuck this up so terribly that in 30 years, people play carnival music over what we did in this story. God. Um, so while 
Mary was inside with um, Ming trying, like, buying the clothes, Beth felt, un like, crazily brave and rolled down the window in the Winnebago and started yelling at some teenagers that they'd been kidnapped. And they laughed at her and said, stop making up stories and just walked away. I hope, I'm sure those teenagers felt awful eventually when this whole story came out. Um, so they finally on July 7th, um, Mary says her hope was failing. Um, Ming realized that he couldn't stay in his family home forever and decided to buy a camper and that the three would live in there. And she said they were starting to lose their faith. Um, but one day she prayed, Lord, if you make a way for us to escape, please let it be easy. Something that I can do. And then when he went to work that morning, he attached the cable connecting them through the top hinge of the closet and looped it through so that they could move around through the bedroom that they were locked in. Um, and she just had a vision of remembering how her father used to take hinge pins out of doors at home. Um, she figured she could try it without a hammer if she forced the pin up with the cable. Um, and she said she was determined to give it her best try and it just hinged, like lifted out like it was greased. Um, cool. Yeah. So Beth started to panic uh, that Ming would find them and kill them. And so Mary put the cable back through the opening and put the hinge back in the door and um, set Beth down and said, this is a sign from God. This should not be this easy. Like, we've got to go. Um, and Beth said, I did panic. And she did smack me. She put the door back together and said to listen if he was here. But there was silence. So um, this is now... 53 days into their abduction. God. So finally Beth said, okay, mom. So I went to, back to the door and shaking like a leaf. And I was shaking like a leaf. This was so exciting and so scary and so risky. I pulled the hinge pin out and got our cable free, grabbed her hand and said, let's go. And so here's where the carnival music gets put on blast. I want to hear it all across the country. One voice. <laughs> <laughs> Mary uses the phone to call the Ramsey County Sheriff's Department and she gets put on hold twice. <laughs> twice! Like, hey, cool, cool. Mary Stoffer, great. Hold, please. Can you just hold, like, <laughs> one, one, second, one second. They press hold. They're like, <laughs> I've got some woman says she's Mary Stoffer. What do I do? And they're, they're like, ask her her name again. I'm sorry, ma'am. What was your name? Mary Stoffer Great. Please hold. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> okay. Say it, say she it, said it, it again. <laughs> so finally, Mike Fowler, who was the sergeant, came on the line. And as soon as he answered so that they didn't have the chance to put her on hold again, she said, this is Mary Stoffer, the Arden Hills kidnapped victim. And I would like someone to come get us. <laughs> I bet she used her very best teacher voice. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so she had at some point found one of his um, dry cleaning slips that had his address on it. So that's how she knew where, like, where to send the cops. Um, and she said, I'll never forget his words. He said, is Jason with you? And that's when I knew that Jason had never made it home and he was most likely dead. 
no. Yeah. Yeah. So the way she said it, I don't know. Just it seems like that those 53 days she was holding out hope that he survived or that he was out or that, you know. Right. That he just dropped him off and let him run away or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, she said that was worse to her than the rapes or the kidnapping because she had a six-year-old son who was friendly like Jason and she couldn't help but picture it happening to him. And she thought about Jason's parents and prayed for them that that she was more devastated over Jason than anything that happened to her. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. Yes. So, um, Beth begged Mary to run out of the house before Ming returned. And so they hid out like, hid behind a car that he'd wrapped in plastic i guess it was leftovers i don't know (laughs) um i don't love that visual (laughs) so the cops arrived and whisked them away um she said mary said i had the feeling they both they wanted to hug both of us but it wasn't real i wasn't really in the mood to hug anybody um and especially not these idiots right (laughs) Um, so he, Irv had actually received a third letter that morning from Mary. So he'd called the FBI agent they'd been working with who, um, just called, um, sorry, he told Irv, there's something going down, but I can't tell you about it. Um, just know that something's happening. And so a sheriff's deputy came and picked Irv up and brought Irv and their son Steve to the sheriff's office to be reunited with Mary. Oh. Um, so, um, and then, like you do, um, Mary was forced to watch all of the footage that had been taking, taken of her getting raped, all the fireside chats. They forced her to watch it so she could file it chronologically for them. Yep, my feelings too. So, just days after Ming was arrested, he contacted one of his old cellmates um, who'd been released from jail and offered, sent him a thousand dollar check to kill Mary and Beth with the promise that after it was done, he'd send him $50,000. So, like, here's my, here's my down payment. Jail money? I don't know. Is jail that lucrative? He, Do you make that much money in jail? Well, so this was Ming sending money. So he must have gotten out on bail from what I've gathered. But he sent $1,000 and was like, when you kill him, I got 50, or when you kill him, I got 50,000 more because they'll uh, testify against me if they're alive. Because it's not going to look sketchy at all for them to have been murdered, Ming. No, not at all. Um, so... Green admitted to the contract, but not until he'd been interviewed by the FBI twice about it because they monitored Ming's spending. So, like, he wasn't going to tell anybody. I don't think he was going to actually kill the people. I think he was just going to take the $1,000. And be like, cool, cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, he was a, Ming was initially charged with transporting kidnapping victims across state lines. Um, so, he was tried in federal court. Um, and so, like I said, Mary had to watch nine hours of videos on two different occasions to try to put the rapes in sequential order and then to interpret the transcript. But only the... I'm 
pretty sure the FBI has people on staff that can do things like that. No, Mary. Mary's apparently the only person who can do anything okay. in Duluth or wherever they were at the time. So, luckily, in court, only the three-hour interview, the fireside chat, was shown. Um, so, um, Mary was called to testify. She had to walk between the prosecution and defense tables. And as the federal prosecutor began his questioning, um, he said that he he was... Uh, sorry, he appeared on a show called Real Crime on A&E. And he Mm -hmm. talked about, basically, he got, like, a tingle in the back of his neck and knew something was going on. And he turned, and Ming was out of his chair and had jumped across the council table. And um, the prosecutor just grabbed him and shoved him away. So, um, he, the first trial lasted 10 days. Um, He was found guilty of kidnapping. Um, he'd gone to one of, or he told the psychiatrist that he knew the location of Jason's body, but he wouldn't reveal it. Um, but in that interview, also the psychiatrist deemed him not criminally insane. So he could stand trial. Like he was fit to stand trial. Sure. Um, so, um, they held off sentencing until they could, uh, come to a deal so they agreed to not charge him with first degree murder so in october he led authorities to the uh wildlife preserve where jason's body was and they found his um they found the body of jason um so he was subsequently sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 30 years so during the second trial during like for the murder of jason Mary had to testify again and she was promised by the FBI. This will be your last time on the stand. Ming tried something in federal court. He hasn't tried anything in state court, but if he's going to try anything, it will be now referring to when he jumped out of his chair during her testimony. Right. Um, So a bond being cross-examined by Ming's attorney, Ming jumped out of his chair, pulled a knife he had been hiding on his body, and stabbed at Mary, and in the process, cut her face open. She had to get 63 stitches. Yep. Um, he grabbed Mary by the neck, and he said, get back or I'll kill her. And so luckily an officer who'd been outside the courtroom waiting to testify rushed in and grabbed Mary off the stand. Um, And they don't actually, she doesn't actually know at what point she was cut, if it was in the scuffle to try to save her or when he initially grabbed her. Right. But 63 is a lot of stitches. I even asked Dr. Sarah. I was like, I've never had a stitch, so I don't know. That is a lot of stitches, yeah. Um, She said somewhere in the scuffle had gotten caught. Uh, Maybe the idea was if I can't have her, nobody can have her. Well, she says in the, like, her little interview thing, she said that he told her, um, like, I'm going to kill you. Like, if I ever get out of jail, even if they send me to jail, like, for a long, long time, if I ever get out, I'll kill you. Yes. And and if you, if you're dead, then I'll kill your family, like, your, your kids and your kids' kids. Yeah. Um, so he actually was up for parole in 2010. Um, and, uh, the judge at the time, you know, he listened to the case. He thought very hard. And within like 10 seconds of his name coming up, he was like, nope. 
Nope, not that guy. Um, <laughs> nope. So he said he ruled that even if Ming would ever be paroled, he would have to be committed immediately to the sex to the state sex offender program, but that he would never walk. Um. Good. So that the um, Stoffers did return to the Philippines in 1981. <laughs> um, they retired uh, a little over ten years ago. Um, she, uh, they are living in Duluth now. Um, yeah. And they are very happy, well-adjusted people. Which is incredible. Yes. Um, yeah. So that is the, I can't think of any other word, but harrowing tell of yeah. Mary Stoffer. I I agree. It's horrifying. And I, God, that's like right up there with girl in the box for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was a, I think a my favorite murder about this case um, that has just haunted me. So the whole like video, yeah, the whole fireside chat video thing and videoing him raping, like that is the worst part to me. Oh, absolutely. Hi. Ugh. And then the fact that the cops made her, I mean, good grief. <sighs> yeah, I'm not a fan. No, I'm not either. Like, not so, especially like the having to watch it back. You know, Lisa Kudrow never watched an episode of Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, if Lisa Kudrow can't bear to watch herself on screen and she's just acting like Phoebe and making a lot of money, imagine what this poor woman went through. I know. Lisa Kudrow is the stick by which I measure everything. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, do you have a case? No. I thought all day about it and then I just didn't come up with anything. I do, actually. Tell me. Have you ever seen the Netflix documentary Tabloid? Yes. Wouldn't that make the best Lifetime movie? It absolutely would. (laughs) So Tabloid, if you don't know, is the story of a woman who was the former Miss Wyoming, I think. Yes, Miss Wyoming, who was charged with abducting, imprisoning, and raping her Mormon missionary ex-boyfriend. That's a lot of adjectives all in a row. It's just like that. (laughs) That confused title. (laughs) Yes. So, first of all, the documentary is gold. If you haven't seen it, you should. It's really incredibly funny. Yes. (laughs) I hate to say that it's funny, but yes. It is, though. But because she says, first of all, it's narrated by the woman herself. And things people say in her are things like, out comes the chloroform. Uh Uh-huh. It sounds (laughs) like that that we wrote the script for this. Yeah. And then when she's, like, talking about raping him, which is not something to make light of, but she's just so flippant about it. And she's like, well, I just don't think you can rape a man. It'd be like putting a marshmallow in a in a parking meter. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that'd make an excellent Lifetime movie. You can rip that one from the headlines, too, if you can rip this one from 1980. Right. So, 
Oh, man. And also, nobody dies, so that's always good. Yes. I always enjoy those. Yes. I thought nobody was going to die this week, but I was wrong. You were way wrong. I'm very upset about it still. Um, Yeah. Well, great. Yes. So, um, well, we're about to record our Patreon episode. We are. But next week... Tune in, because we're doing our very last Ripped from the Headlines, and we're doing our little switcheroo. I know, which means I have to watch watch a movie. movie, And I'm going to tell you the story Um, of the college admission scandal. I'm mostly bummed that Aunt Becky won't be playing herself. Yeah. And I, I know that she's got a real name, and I know what it is, but I refuse to call her anything but Aunt Becky. It's fine. So, um, yeah, so what I was going to say is we're about to record our Patreon episode. So if you want to hear uh, Aaron's Unsolved Mystery of the Week, then um, I suggest you head on over to patreon.com slash lifetime sentence and uh, and join our family there. Yes, and it will be lots of fun. And also, I went super off topic this week, and so it's going to be really funny because I needed to lighten up. Thank God we need that following tonight's recording anyway. Yeah, for real. So I'm very excited. Um, I'm going to tell you all about some crazy stuff. Um, Yeah. So also head over to patreon.com slash lifetime sentence and or follow us on the things. We're on Instagram at lifetime sentence. Um, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. You can find our um, show notes and other doobly doos on our website at lifetimesentence.com. Mm-hmm. Did you say Facebook? No. You can find us <laughs> on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. And shoot it's us like a- we don't do this every week. Right? Well, I wasn't <laughs> listening because I had something in my hands to play with. Um, it's a needable eraser that I have been. <laughs> I hate you so much. Never mind. We're not recording an episode tonight. I'm done. I'm walking out right now. Um, (laughs) You can also shoot us an email at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. Definitely do that. (laughs) And everyone that just had to hear Aaron, I'm so sorry. Um, I bring the class. Why you're so sorry. I bring the class to this uh, show, obviously, if you hadn't noticed. And Aaron brings everything else, so. (laughs) Whatever's left over. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. Until next week, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. (laughs) Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.